0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, after a stressful weekend of swapping USDC in any imaginable cryptocurrency, we're back on a special episode on Tuesday, we have a lot to talk about and one thing that is on everybody's mind right now is, is crypto a scam or are banks a scam? And today we're going to start this episode with the one thing that has been overshadowed and everything that has been happening in the space and that is Silicon Valley Bank going out of business. And yesterday, fortunately for most of the startups in the valley and small businesses, it has been bought out and saved by the Fed. So the main question that I would like to discuss or target in this podcast is, is Web3, is Bitcoin a hedge to this financial system? What did SVB really do wrong? And how do we feel about this, Tugan?
1: Yeah, I think it's three separated questions. The question of, um, and to start with the start, like this bank, what they have done wrong, uh, or if, how or have they done something wrong. Then the question of like um, USDC or like, you know, stablecoin supremacy, who is going to win? Like, you know, it's like this kind of Lord of the Ring thing. There's like one stablecoin to like dominate all of them or something like this. And um, then the third question is like this moment of truth about crypto and about Bitcoin. Like, you know, we had this promise for years that, you know, Bitcoin is a is hedge against like inflation. Not that much. It's this hedge against like banking system fiat. And maybe we're going to, 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 to know this just to jump to the first point is um, it's not sure what. I mean, of course, they did some mistakes. And, you know, they were like very busy with like some work agenda instead of like managing the risk. And understanding like you know, macro situation, but I mean most of the money was in government bonds. So pretty much it seems that they follow most of the regulation, most of the like the safety measures. I think for all the stress tests that they went through in the past, they had like outstanding like result. Uh, so what people don't seem to understand that putting money in government bonds is a risk. Why? Um, can uh, do, do you want me to, to explain and to elaborate this point for our viewers or Please, let's should go. I make it short? Take the stage. Okay, all right. So, um, you know, let's say you lend like a hundred bucks to the government at 1% a year. So you have like a bond and this bond is worth like you know 100 bucks because we all expect the US government to, to pay back plus like the interest you will get in the future. So because you have to wait like, you know, 10 years and you'll get like one box per year, it's not really worth like, you know, 110, maybe it's like 100 and, I don't know, 103, 102, I don't know, something like this. Um, but, you know, the banks just think, okay, so I have 100 bucks like this, I'm generating returns, and if I need cash, I can just go on the market, sell the bond, get 100 and something back, and then with this 100 and something, I can like, you know, give money to, the, deposit, to the, de- the depositors if they come to the bank and ask for their money. Very simple. Uh, government bonds are supposed to be liquid. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it is liquid if someone wants to buy it. But today you can buy like government bonds with like you know 4.5 percent interest rate. So who would buy a government bond with like you know 0.5 or 1 percent interest rate when you can buy one with you know 4.5? So if I'm going to buy a government bond with like only 1 percent interest rate, I'm not ready to pay it 100 something. Maybe I'm okay to pay it you know 97, 95, 98. I don't know dollars, not 100 something. And then it means that the bank has a loss. In most cases, for most banks, it's called like an unrealized loss. So they have on their books or these government bonds that are worth a little bit less, and they haven't sold them. So it's like an unrealized loss. Okay. But I think for 2022, the sum of unrealized losses for banks in the U.S. was 600 billions, which is like equivalent to the subprime like unrealized, I mean then realized losses. $600 billions. And if you look at the insurance fund for the, from the government, the F, uh, Federal Deposit Insurance, uh, the FDIC, I don't know what the C stands for, but whatever, uh, I think they have in the FDIC 160 billions, something like this, mm-hmm. most of which, careful, ladies and gentlemen, most of which is in government bonds. So what people need to understand that like, government bonds can crash. Because people are like, yeah, you know, the government is always going to pay, you know, the, to pay back the loan because they just need to print the money. They print the money and they pay you. So you will get your $100 back. But are these financial products liquid? Are people willing to buy it? If you have it and you want to sell it to get some fresh cash, can you do it? Yes, no. Is there a demand? Yes, no. At what price? And this is the last question, the relevant one. At what price? Well, the price seems to be not, not that great because Chinese. Russian, obviously, petro monarchs from the Middle East—you know—they're less and less willing to put money in the United States after seeing what happened to the Russian oligarchs. You know. Yeah, but to, um, to,
0: to put one point in there, Tugan, is the main issue yeah. that I feel is there is that banks are not valuing their assets at book value, so or yeah. at market value. So the main thing that Warren Buffett, for example, has been screaming for for the last ten years is that everybody holds these government bonds or venture bonds, whatever it might be, but nobody values them. At the exact same price, and then if a situation like SVB happens, where people are like, "Yeah, but you guys don't really have the money that you're claiming to be in your books," then everybody starts stressing, and a beautiful bank run happens.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, and so the whole system now is at risk because everyone starts to are, is arriving to the to the same conclusion. And we're like, "Hey, I mean, is my money in the bank safe?" Mm-hmm. And right now, it's like this flight to quality. They go to GP Morgan because JP Morgan is bigger than. Silicon mm-hmm. Valley Bank but the, the, like the, the books of JP Morgan are not that different i guess so um quite an interesting um
0: yeah i do situation. i do I, I do agree i think the 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 point that we should now go to is that right now a lot of people in web3 are saying ah oh, we told you guys we told you banks are screwed banks are the source of all evil yeah. we web3 we are superior to everything that is happening in web3 and you could even make a comparison of what Like SVB did is they took some of the users deposit and they put it in venture bonds and venture bonds basically means that you take that money and you invest it in startups and maybe they blow up, maybe they don't. So you could say that it's sort of like a betting, bit of a shitcoin trading, same thing of what FTX did of saying you take user deposits and you try to multiply, you try to make more. And for everybody listening to kind of one second, what is a bank? Is one day you wake up and you say, Okay, I think I can work better with money than anybody else can. So you walk around the street and you raise money. Thousand dollars here, ten thousand there, you have one million. And you tell everybody, Okay, I'm gonna pay you five percent interest just by keeping your money with me, because I'm a good investor. So you keep that money, and in the meantime, you try to invest in riskier things. Maybe that riskier thing is just a government bond. And that government bond pays you a premium of 5% more of what you pay your holders, or not your holders, but your investors. And that's how you make money. That's how banks make billions of dollars. But eventually, you're like, okay, I have this 10% return. Why not 20? Why not 40? Why not 50? Why not 100 exit? And then you start investing into riskier things like venture bonds or FTX and crazy margin trading.
1: Yeah, I think also like, there's an interesting like, conspiracy theory about like, this whole thing. So this whole like, VC backed startup world is like a giant Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need like, you know, new morons to come every single month, every single year to put money into these money losing companies mm-hmm. called like, startups. Um and so if there's no money coming, the company collapses and all the past investors they lose their money. Because on the paper the company is worth billions and billions and you as a shareholder you have hundreds of millions of like, you know, theoretical value. Mm. Uh, but it, you have theoretical value, it's just another moron who comes and who is ready to put money at the same value or to put money at a higher value. Um right now with like free money being like terminated or slowly terminated terminated by the Fed. Mm. Um this whole like, Ponzi bubble is, might, might just collapse. And so, let's say you work in the tech industry, Apollo, and you want the, um, the Ponzi to continue, obviously, because now you're like a tech billionaire, and it's quite cool, and you're going like to Forbes and everything, but you know the, the, the party is like, finishing and like, the free money is, is gone. Unless you find a way to force the government to continue to give you free money, How do you do this? What could force the government to continue to print money to keep the Ponzi alive? What is the one thing that can force the government to print money? Banking crisis. And now you are someone like Peter Thiel, I like conspiracy theories. You know, Peter Thiel, he withdrew all his money a day before and he told all his portfolio companies to withdraw their money a day before. Then, you know, everyone followed and it's one of the start of the bank run. Bank crashed, government has to print money, and the Ponzi stays alive. So maybe there is a huge conspiracy theory behind it. And of course, with Peter Thiel because people love to put Peter Till in conspiracy <laughs> theories. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Okay. Let's just leave the conspiracy theory in the room, see what our audience thinks about it. Um, yes. What I want to go from here is the question is, is Bitcoin, the bankless currency, a hedge? Against Web two banking. Do you think? What do you think? What you think? Well,
1: my gut feeling is that crypto in general, like layer ones. Um, I mean, I don't believe that cryptos are currencies, like that you can use to you know buy bread or something like this. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more like you know assets mm-hmm. uh, that are like relying on a, on a different technology and a, and a potential huge growth um at least for ethereum for bitcoin you have like the store of value and transfer of value narrative the inflation hedge is like maybe if you're in turkey or in argentina it makes sense i don't know if it makes sense with to face like a you know if you have like no seven percent inflation and bitcoin is down like 60 percent not that great in the short term um i think we're going to reach maybe very soon the moment of truth like are will bitcoin be finally priced as a hedge against fiat currency system and not as a speculative bet because right now Bitcoin is traded like a tech company and maybe we will see a shift a narrative shift to like oh no it's not a tech company it is a hedge against the fiat system Um, it's like a credit default swap uh, a CDS against the fiat system Mm. and I hope this narrative will emerge and Bitcoin will play this role of I mean, you know, I have like a personal interest of of hoping this uh, because I own a lot of it, but yeah, so I hope that we will have this shift in narrative and with this shift of narrative a shift in reality and in the price action.
0: Yeah, I do think it's interesting to think about, okay, like right now, we have really seen with Silicon Valley Bank that was one of the major players in term in the certified Web2 Bank. The narrative of Web three, and I would say only Bitcoin really plays that narrative really well. Of what is a good storage of value, in besides gold, besides copper, besides silver, in an internet age. And I do think that a lot of people say, you know, it's just nice to have some bitcoins um, because the storage of value against banks, in the sense, is just something that makes more sense to me.
1: Um, to go from I mean, especially, yeah. I mean, just short. Like I think the yeah. biggest competitor of Bitcoin was actually stablecoins because you're like, no, no. I mean. I can have the benefit of like transferring my money around the world, uh, going around sanctions, like being a Russian, moving my money to Dubai or something like this. Uh, and I have like this internet money because like USDT, USDC, like stablecoins in general are the real internet money that you can use as money. Because you have this like $1 like, you know, parity that, so you can really use it like, as money. Bitcoin doesn't have this. But now that we know that, you know, stablecoins are either like full of shit or are like, you have like the risk of like can they introduce a kyc discreetly? uh where are the reserve? at which bank with which government bonds now that we see this uh the, the stable coins as a competition to bitcoin is like uh, evaporating yeah which is good for bitcoin
0: finally that's true. that's true so svb a lot of interesting developments over the weekend what do you what do you think this does to the narrative of web three startups keep building keep building in the bear um if your assets that you have maybe in crypto with one of the the players like silicon valley bank where you're not sure does this do anything to the narrative of saying let's build startups let's build let's build let's build let's hire people let's spend what is your opinion on this i think it's forcing people to be
1: to be honest it's like Oh, you know, I'm building the future with crypto because the fiat system doesn't make sense, but I keep all my money in fiat at Silicon Valley Bank and in government bonds and, you know, fuck you. Like if you believe in Web3, be a little bit skin in the game. If you believe in Web3 and you have a long time horizon and you know you believe in the future, why you don't hold this? I mean, to pay like salaries, okay, to have some money into the bank, it's what, it's what I'm doing too. Like I have a little bit of money in the bank to pay like my staff and like these expenses with fiat. Everything else, or most of, well, I mean, pretty much, pretty much everything else is in crypto. A little bit of real estate, but mostly crypto. So it's forcing people to be like consistent with their choices and the narratives they are like marketing upon. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, the last thing I want to mention here is that yesterday and today, especially Arthur Hayes, is calling the next bull run. And for everybody that's looked at this and said, okay, what's going on? Like, the clear explanation for this is that because there has been some, such a major shit show with S- SVB going down. Now the U.S. government is going thinking about or is decreasing interest rates. And decreasing interest rates for everybody that is new to monetary policy allows people to lend money at a cheaper price. So for example, you have interest rates and you borrow a million dollars. You're probably not going to take a lot of risk with it. Maybe you're going to invest it into a really solid business idea that you have or you're going to buy real estate with it or you're going to buy an apartment complex where you know that you can pay 20% back on that interest or that loan that you took out but now if interest rates are going down and down and down and down that will allow the cost of capital to be much cheaper and for example if you look at the last bull run which was ignited by a lot of money being readily available by nearly either by free through covid <laughs> um by governments just giving out money to everybody pushing it and everybody trying to get another 10x on that capital they got for free In the crypto market the simple reason now is people get money pretty cheap so why not try to make a 5x or a 10x on a crypto coin so that's the current narrative of that people are playing
1: i think i think it's very deeply sad Mm. because it means that we will have another like empty bubble it's not going to be fueled by adoption it's not going to be fueled by innovation it's not going to be fueled by crypto being an alternative to the system it's just like crypto will just like be used again as a tech stock, as a tech stock on steroid and be like, okay, you know, free money. With free money everything is going up and the crazy shit on steroid is going up even faster. So everyone is going to the crazy shit on steroid. And then we have a nice little bubble that is fine sometime, but you know it's better to have like growth driven by like reality, um, innovation, users, use cases, economic things, um, you know. So it might, it might trigger a new bull run, but if it's like a, a bullshit bull run, uh, we'll, I mean, it's cool for our portfolios, sure, but I'm not sure it's going to really move us forward.
0: Yeah, it's not a thing that really matters. To go yeah. from a friend of the startup, let's call it, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram are winding down support for NFTs, according to a senior executive, and the tech giant is looking for other ways to support creators, people and businesses. Meta, which owns both social networks, had rollout NFT functionality to 100 countries, but demand has been dampened by a bear market. So if you look at the replies on social media, people say, "Ah, oh, you don't get it, you don't get Web3, you don't know what this is talking about. Like you should hire a Web3 consultant, you should talk to Frank D. God's." And one opinion I want to voice here myself is that the main problem I see really with Web3 right now is the short financial incentives of most of the communities that spend time in the space so you're on twitter and you see okay meta is introducing nft functionality what it's not going to do is it's not going to increase the price of your profile picture nft It's not going to increase the layer two token that you hold it won't have an impact short term on bitcoin or eth that's just not how it works Um, But we all read these news and we think that it has a direct financial benefit of Meta introducing this. And this again just fuels the empty bubble, the empty tech stock of what we've been talking about. So maybe this is really also an urge for web 3 is to look ourselves a bit in the mirror and ask ourselves like why do we do this or why do we believe in this is this just for us to look at what other people are doing and be faster buying the next coin that we see at some discord or telegram group but why are we in the space and why do we build this so i mean it's sad to hear or it's not sad but why facebook and instagram are winding down support for nfts and but I do think it's a good moment for everybody that is really gets aggressive or personally attacked by Facebook not doing this anymore. I'm like, why? Like, why do you care so much? Um, so what do you think about um, this, Dugan?
1: Well, I think different things. Like maybe we, it's not, it's quite unclear to know why they choose to, to renounce it, like to, to not, not to do it. Um, the, I don't think they have provided any reason. Did I? No, I don't think so, no. We, we don't have any, Like, it's just like, oh, we don't know, we won't do it again, we, we're not going to do it. And maybe, um, j- just a theory, um, Meta and Facebook and Instagram is just not the right fit for crypto. I mean, they're super centralized. I mean, they're mm-hmm. over centralized, let's say. Um, they don't really fit with crypto. Everyone in crypto hates them. Even if they would launch something, maybe no one will use it. Okay. Facebook is in this tricky situation. Stock dropped a lot, it went a little bit back. Um, clearly, this metaverse narrative is pissing off investors, and it's not uh, bearing any fruits for now. And if in the middle of this, let's say, context, they introduce like, oh, you know, we are going to introduce like our big launch or feature, and they gather like, you know, I don't know, 10,000 users worldwide,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is fine for like a small, like, Web3 company, but it's not fine for Facebook. Is going to be a humiliation, and it might trigger a panic or backlash with uh, holder like not holder, but investors. So maybe you know they generally think it's the future, but like there is not enough momentum right now to launch it. And we, if we launch it without momentum, it will look not, it, will, it won't look good, and it might like crash the stock even more down. So we're just going to you know do some risk and brand management and not release it for now. So it might be like that they truly believe in the stuff, but the timing is not right for them because of their like financial situation. So I would more bet on something, on something like this. Or, other conspiracy theory, there is behind the curtain like a huge war against crypto, which is very plausible. And um, in this war, the anti-crypto side went to Facebook and told them, "Hey." Do you enjoy your billions, your nice life, your nice offices, your nice everything? Yes, you do? Okay, so forget this crypto thing, continue your like spying people and stealing the data. Uh, It's fine, you know, we will let you go with this, even if it's completely illegal. Um, But don't touch crypto. Mm. And you know, Facebook tried a few times to bring crypto. I mean, they had Libra a long time ago. They wanted to have this kind of like world stable coins. They had like partnerships with Stripe and all possible companies and they had to ditch it. Why? because it would like hurt the supremacy of the dollar and the Federal Reserve. So either it's just some short term like uh, strategy or there is a war behind the curtain against crypto and yeah. they were forced to choose a side.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all know cool. how the introduction of the Libra coin went. I think yeah. little Marky got a call and said, hey, you know, you sure you want to do that cryptocurrency for two billion people? Okay. <laughs> You like flying that private jet, right? Would be a yeah. pity if that, if that jet would suddenly disappear. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. I think it's also uh, positive news for all innovators and builders is that since Facebook is so slow, slow, dampened, and so insecure about joining Web3, then just do it yourself. And yeah. that's a, that's another point that we will talk about soon is we're going to talk about another player thinking about joining Web3, but it's a simple innovator's dilemma. They're large, they're slow, they're big, they have a lot to lose, and they will be pushed out by a player that has less to lose, and that's faster, and that is going to be able to go all in risk. So, to go from Facebook to a dear brand that probably most of our users and viewers have been using in their childhood, and that's Pokemon. So... There has been a lot of outcry both good and bad about the Pokemon company posted a job listing for a corporate development principle with deep knowledge in Web3 and blockchain technologies. So Pokemon did not publicly allow announce any, mm-hmm. any direction or any clear goals to turn their experience into Web3 or NFT driven experience. But so we have two sides here. People that say okay, I play Pokemon and I am totally appalled. I would hate to use Pokemon as an NFT and I hate this whole space. And maybe there are, again, people that are incentivized that Pokemon would go into Web3 and it's going to pump their profile picture NFT. So wh- how do we feel about a player like Pokemon going into Web3? And what do we think are the chances of success? Or...
1: This news, it's just a test. Maybe they don't know. They don't know if they're interested in crypto or if they want to go there. If the community and their fans, the supporters, their stockholder, whatever, will like, um, like it. So they just post a job ad, do some PR around it, so everybody's talking about it, and they just see the reaction. And based on the reaction, they might take the decision to go or not to go. It's quite smart because with this job listing stuff, you can really check the market without taking any risk. Because if you don't do anything, you don't launch anything, you don't announce anything like for real, like in crypto, you know, it's fine. If you say, hey, if you're like Facebook, you're like, yeah, you know, we're going to do this metaverse thing and to invest like tens of billions into it and then it doesn't work, not good. If you're just like, you know, we are planning to recruit people into this Web3 stuff. You take zero risk. I mean, you have all the benefit of information without having to pay for it. Because you know, like in the in the free market, usually, like you do some stuff, it has some consequence. You have to pay, like stuff, people, whatever. It has some cost. And one of the result of this cost is information. You learn stuff. Um, here they can learn for free. So yeah. my guest is uh, just trying to learn for free, if there is some interest for it or not.
0: Yeah. For my perspective, I think it's the double downside for Pokemon. On one side, you enter Web3, and the majority of your players and holders don't care about Web3. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. And on the other side, you do need to take a huge company like Pokemon, huge community, I would even say, and turn it into Web3. And looking at the past case studies of companies that have tried to do that, none of them was really successful. Because again, innovators' dilemma, they're slow... It's a lot of work. People don't really get the meta of Web3 of, let's say, community first and building together with your holders. So I do think that a similar thing is going to happen, like with Facebook. There will be a new Pokemon, and maybe it's even a Gary Vee, that was building in Web3, that was forged by the darkness inside of Web3, and that is going to come out of this as the new Pokemon. So that's my opinion on this. I mean, on the other hand, we have to give
1: credit to Pokemon. I mean, they launched Pokemon Go like a few, a few years ago and they're really on you know, uh, virtual reality or artificial reality. Yeah. So they seem to have some appetite to play and to interact with new technology in order to stay relevant. So yeah. I think the step they're doing right now is zero commitment, just like looking for free information.
0: Yeah.
1: But they have a track record of, you know, betting on technology, of successfully betting on new
0: technologies. So besides us not being sure about Pokemon and Meta joining Web3 there has been one one project that has been absolutely crushing it in the last weeks and that's Tugan and Apollo. Yesterday we've reached over 2000 subscribers on our newsletter and we're soon going crit- to hit the 1k subs on YouTube as well. So talking about innovators dilemma we're building in web3 we're coming from web3 and we build together with you so last week we did a giveaway of saying the best comment the best feedback is going to win 50 dollars in eth this still is going to go on for the next week so It's very important for us to understand, for everybody that is listening, that this is a podcast that is from builders, from people in Web3 that want to push Web3 in a long-term perspective. So we want your feedback, your input. What should we talk about? What is interesting? What should we talk less about? What should we talk more about? So this episode, I think, was a good look in the mirror of why do we do this? Are we just here for the bullish news and farming airdrops? Or are we actually here to build technology, to innovate and to work together with really smart people. So thanks for watching. Closing words from you, too, Gun. Let's farm some air drops. <laughs> <laughs> Check link below. Check link below. See you next episode, guys. <laughs>